0: So good to see you all. This is what we do, guys, on the regular. Okay, we do this on a regular rhythm, on a regular basis. We spend time in the Word um, and we spend time almost every morning in the Word. It's just that now what we do is, is that on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays, we come together for what we call the read and rant. where We read for about 20 minutes and then we reflect or rant uh, for another 20 to 30 minutes. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we come together for prayer. We'll read a word of encouragement from the scriptures, and then we'll spend time praying for one another. And so that's what we've committed to do. Um, and it has been it's just been fruitful. I love the community that we have grown here as we've come together. Now, some of you may be like, wait, I'm not I'm here every day and I don't see you here every day. Well, that's because I'm on Discord. And I want to encourage you to join us on Discord. discord.gg/opusfrere discord.gg/opusfrere. slash O P U S slash F R E R E. So I want to encourage you to join us there. Um this is where we, this is where the fam is, guys. Um you'll connect with us throughout the day. You have people there, folks there who will connect with you and I'm telling you it's it's a it's a it's a pretty cool community some awesome people out there so please join our discord community and of course if i'm not on tiktok or ig i am on discord i'm on discord monday through friday and so join us there especially on the days where i'm out on the road and I can't sit at my desk and and um, and do the read and rant here. I'm doing more reading and rants in the car again. Remember those car rants, y'all? I'm doing more reading and rants in the car, only because right now I'm in a season where we're getting ready to launch our uh church. And so um we've I've got a lot of running around, a lot of prep, a lot of work that we're doing on the street, a lot of work that we're doing as we get ready to go and launch. And so that's part of the reason why I'm in the car more. And so Uh, I just love Discord because Discord allows me to connect with you guys and I'm still recording them. So if you miss any of them, you can check it out on the Read and Rant podcast. I know it's going to be a month delayed, but you can check out the Read and Rant podcast and you can also, I want to encourage you to become a patron. Okay. Pray for us, y'all. Pray for us and support us, y'all. Um Become a patron. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Patreon.com slash I-S-A-A-C-F-R-E-R-E. Your support means the world to us. Your support is what keeps us going. Your support is what allows us to do this. And so it's because of your support that we've been able to move and uh to be able to do some of the things that we do, like Bible studies and things of the sort. I have bandwidth for that now. So I thank the Lord for that as we get ready and ramped up to do what God has called us to do. So today we're going to spend just a few moments. Um, I got a doctor's appointment, y'all. I got a dentist appointment right after this. Um, So no, I'm not excited to go to the dent- dentist appointment, but... I am really excited to spend time reading the word with you all. And that's what we're going to do today. So let's get ready. Let's ramp up. Let's get settled as we read the word. And as I've told you before, this is a Bible reading. Bible study was yesterday. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I posted the Bible studies on Patreon, so you got them. Okay, I know you missed the last last week's and now you got last week's and this week's, so we're good to go on that front. Um, but this is not a Bible study. This is a Bible reading. We're just gonna spend time in reading through a larger portion of scripture and just reflecting to ask God We're going to ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question we ask. The second question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? So let's dig in. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Lord, this moment. Lord, that you brought us together, different time zones, different parts of the world together, Lord, to read your word. Father, bless this moment. Bless this time as we engage. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would inspire us today. Inspire us with the truth of your gospel. Inspire us with the truth of who you are, your love, your grace, and your mercy towards us. Lord, encourage us today. Correct us if we need correction. Convict us where we need conviction. Build us up, Lord God, where we need exhortation. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter four, and it says this, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil taking him up to a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you And their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended every temptation and departed from him until he had departed from him until the opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and his custom, sorry, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, He found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and he said is sorry and they said is this not Joseph's son He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country, but I will tell you truly the many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens was, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, And there was a great famine throughout all the land, but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Goodness gracious. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and they led him into the brow of the hill on which the city was built that they might throw him down over a cliff then passing through in the midst of them he went his way then he went down to capernaum a city of galilee and was teaching them on the sabbaths and they were astonished at his teaching for his word was with authority now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever. They made a request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was settling, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hand, hands on them, on one of, sorry on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place and the crowds sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities. Also, because for this purpose, I have been sent. And he was preaching. In the synagogues of Galilee. He preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Um, I'm going to stop here for a little bit shorter because of, of course, my other obligations, my uh, not-so-fun obligations, but my necessary obligations to ensure my dental health. <laughs> so I'm just going to spend a few moments um, reflecting over... Our time in the word today, particularly speaking in this one chapter that we read, which is in Luke chapter four. One thing I find really interesting, and it's just a side note and not to say I have any answers to this, but it's just something that just an observation that I made, which is very interesting to me. Is we see uh, Luke, Luke presents the initiation of Jesus' ministry in a very deeply spiritual way. We see the ministry of Jesus is one in which he didn't just preach the word, but we see our demonstration of supernatural power. And I know that, you know, there are some that are that get really uncomfortable in these spaces when we talk about the supernatural and part of the reason why many of us are uncomfortable is because we've seen uh, abuse. We've seen manipulation, particularly speaking, when it comes to the matters and the topics of the supernatural. However, you can't ignore the fact that we see here the ministry of Jesus is uh, profoundly supernatural. It's supernatural. And sometimes we, we, we forget that. And I think when we talk about God, we almost think of God as simply this natural, logical being, not a supernatural entity, one that does not exist or is, th- sorry, one that is not confined within the boundary or the periphery of our natural experience. God is way bigger than our natural experience. And yet we see Jesus who, as John will later tell us, the Word was God and the Word became flesh, so Jesus being God in the flesh, you have to ex- expect and presume that if Jesus is God and He enters, that the divine enters into this space, that there should be a supernatural disturbance. And yet that is what the kingdom is all about. It's about the supernatural disturbance. There are things that are happening, that are moving, that are being manipulated in spaces and places that we cannot see with our natural eyes. And so there's a realm, there's a dimension that we don't see. And it's not for me to, I don't want to belabor the time on this. But one thing that I find really interesting, and this is a side note, and I don't have any answers to this, but one one of the things I find that's really interesting about this, um, this chapter, as we see Jesus moving supernaturally, is it's not a hooky, you know, guy who's floating in the sky or floating in his mind who's on some weird stuff talking about Jesus in the supernatural but rather it's a scientist i just find that interesting it's it's the first time like just me I'm, this is just an observation that i'm making for the first time <laughs> as i read this text that luke who is the doctor the scientist the one who uh, studies the natural and often most scientists who worship the natural. It was the scientist that is speaking boldly about the supernatural ministry of Jesus. I think that's just interesting. I think that's cool. Um, it's just an observation I made out of nowhere. I'm like, wait, hold on a second. Isn't this the scientist? And he's over here talking about how Jesus is rebuking unclean spirits. And he, he points out and highlights the ministry of Jesus in the deliverance, the spiritual deliverance of people. And I'm like, hold on a second. This isn't this isn't Matthew. And even though Matthew mentions it, but and, and even though Mark mentions it, Luke, the scientist spends a great portion of his time speaking about this. And he talks about the miracles that Jesus performs. He talks about the supernatural encounters. And I think there's so much there. I'm just thinking out loud, fam. How God will highlight the places that we have established our idols. And he goes in and he tears them down. And it becomes the one thing that we become focused on. Like, it's the one thing that we begin to see. It's the one thing highlighted in our experience. Luke's gifting allows him not only to be in awe of it, but it allows him to chronicle it, chronicle it in a very disciplined way. Sometimes it takes that, right? It's our experiences, it's our moments, it's what we were shaped to be or to learn or to it, it's it's not to learn. It, it's what we were shaped to do and how we were shaped to see what truth is and what is right and what is. Wrong. It's, it's how we determine or we've been told our morality is. And it's through those things when Jesus enters into them and he flips them on their head, it's the one thing that pops out to us. He gives us a frame of reference in him, in him. It's just powerful as I'm reading and I'm going, man, I can see how he wrote. I can see why he would write so much about the realm that we do not see. Because his whole life he was trained on the realm that we do see. So I'm pretty sure as he's hearing these stories, he's in absolute awe as he's writing this down. That the scientist, the scientist is like, yo, listen, I know how the world works. But there's another dimension that I did not know existed. And it was only in the testimony of Jesus that he's like, yo, I got to tell you, this guy was doing some things that science can't explain. He was doing some things that go way beyond our training, way beyond my purview, way beyond what I was raised in. And he was inspired by it and felt it important to make sure he added it here into the story. I think another thing that's interesting about it, and it's just a side note, guys, is he's writing to Theophilus, who many believe was, a thinker just like him. And the way he's writing this letter is to the Theophiluses of the world, right? So, by, by the way, Luke, uh, Luke and Acts, they're really, they're kind of a two-part series. It's interesting that we stick John in between. But L- Luke and Acts are two parts. Really, Acts is just the continuation of the book of Luke. Um. And if you notice he opens those letters writing it or to Theophilus, Theophilus, who is um whom who many believe was a, a, a thinker, a philosopher, one who would be a contemporary of of Luke's, one who would be would be a peer um in the uh, intellectual and philosophical world, right in the in the realm of science and and philosophy and thinking and all of that. And so. He's writing this letter and of course, his argument for Jesus is not, watch this now, his argument for Jesus is not what, just simply what Jesus said. His argument for Jesus is what Jesus has done. His argument for Jesus were the testimonies of the things that transpired in his ministry. And so he's talking about demons being cast out. He's talking about people being healed. Sorry, fam. And so he's talking about all these things and he's bringing to light that this Jesus is bringing something here that goes way beyond our pay grade. Way beyond what we were growing up to believe and to know. Jesus is coming to shift it all up. Anyway, that's just a side note. But I have this one thought. And I thought it was important for me to share today. In the book of Luke, we see uh, very similar, the narrative in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter four, Jesus being tempted. And I'm not gonna spend a lot of time there, but notice that the beginning of Jesus started off with temptation. The beginning of, sorry, beginning of Jesus' ministry started off with temptation. This is, this is so important. And I said it before, but I'll say it one more time because I find that today I have more conversations with people, more conversations with folks who feel guilty and ashamed because of temptations that have crept up in their mind or crept up in their heart. There are more people today. I have more conversations with people, sorry. I have more conversations with people who say, pastor, I don't know if I'm really where I need to be because I've got these temptations, these thoughts, these things that have come into my mind that make me want to do things that I know don't align with Christ it's almost as if there's this new uh, epidemic in the conversations that I have of people who feel guilty by temptation. Feel guilty because there's a thought that has entered their mind. Feel guilty because they've been tempted to do something that they know doesn't align with Christ. And for that reason, they feel ashamed. Let me say something to you, real quick. Temptation is not sin. I need you to hear that. Temptation is not sin. If temptation was sin, then Jesus would have sinned. Because what we read in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, we read the story of Jesus being tempted. And I know you feel some type of way because the temptation that you have aligns with the desire that you have. And that desire you know does not align with the glory of Christ. And now you're debating and you're questioning whether or not you're a child of God because you have a temptation that doesn't align with the will of God, fam. First of all, when you're tempted, you're tempted with your own desires. And what the enemy wants to do is distract you, to shame you, to divert you from who God has called you to be. But temptation isn't sin. As a matter of fact, we are all tempted and Jesus was. And it was this temptation that was the test to lead Jesus to where he was called to be and what Jesus was called to do. Oh man, just because you're tempted doesn't mean you're sinning. I know folks who've been tempted and the temptation makes them think, oh, no, something's wrong with me. Fam, Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted. He was tempted in the wilderness and we all are tempted. The question is, how do we respond to temptation? I know you're thinking that desire in you is not the desire that aligns with with Christ. Well, of course it doesn't. That's what temptation is. We're tempted with our own desires and these desires don't align with the glory of Christ. That's fine. You're not guilty because you're tempted. You're not guilty because the devil or the enemy or the situation or the hurt, the brokenness, whatever it might be, is enticing you to do something that doesn't align with him. Don't fall into that lie. When temptation comes, you flee it. But just because you're tempted doesn't mean you're guilty. I got folks today who feel guilty and ashamed because of temptation. But the scriptures tell us what temptation is. Temptation is a test. Oh, goodness gracious. Temptation is a test. It's not sin. It's a test. And there are many of us today, we fall into guilt and shame from the temptation alone. Jesus was tempted, but the temptation is a test. Because what temptation does is it not just draws you away from the glory of God, but it draws you away from who you are, your purpose, and who God has called you to be. And if the enemy can draw you away with temptation, then the enemy can suffocate or cover the calling of God on your life. Temptation is just a test. And as ugly as a temptation might be, as nasty as the thought might come into your mind, those things that you're confronting, those things don't convict you. They're just a test to get you to where God is calling you. They're a test. Jesus was tested. We see the ministry of Jesus. We see how Jesus moves miraculously. We see all of this, right? That's transpiring. We see all of that. But we forget that before all that happens, Jesus was tempted. And I love, and and again, I'm going to iterate this over and over whenever I get to this part of the text because it's so important that if you notice in the text, the devil is using Bible he's using scripture Jesus responds with scripture but then he uses scripture what is the devil trying to do the devil is trying to take a little bit of truth to divert him away from the truth a little bit of truth that deflects is exactly what the devil does deception is not a lie I've said this before. I'll say it again. I know we say the devil is a liar. Yes, the devil is a liar. He is the author of lies, but the devil is also a deceiver. And please do not confuse deception with a lie. As a matter of fact, deception has a little bit of truth in it. Deception has a little bit of what is right in it. But the difference between a deception and an outright lie is that a deception gives you just enough truth to draw you away from the truth. Just enough truth to deflect you. That's why I always say deception is deflection. And there's some of us that are looking for truths, but those truths are in piecemeal, drawing us away from the truth. And we think we're getting closer to what's true, not realizing we're just being deceived. Do not be deceived. That's why you can deceive with a little bit of Bible. <laughs> the devil puts a little bit of Bible in it to deceive you. Put a little bit of truth in it. Add a little bit of truth in it. Just throw you off. Wait, hold on. The Bible does say that. Oh, snap. Hmm. If there's anything that the church in the West can be indicted on is piecemeal truth. Because truth in pieces is just a lie. It's deception. And yes, the devil started from the beginning. He started from the beginning with this. Gave just a little bit of truth to get Eve to look within herself, to get Adam and Eve to look within themselves, and just enough to allow sin to creep in. But notice how Jesus, notice what happens when Jesus overcomes the temptation at the end, the final one, and finally the devil's like, I'm done. And this is going to help somebody here because somebody needs to hear this today. He says, And Jesus answered and said, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Up to that point, Jesus is being tempted with what he can do. Jesus is being tempted with positions. Turn these turn this bread in, turn sorry, turn these stones into bread. That's something that Jesus could do. He's being tempted with that. Jesus, I'm going to put you on top. You have authority over the earth. Jesus already had authority. He's tempting him with stuff that he has. But the devil finally shut up when Jesus iterated from the scripture, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. When you are tempted, family, don't just come with scripture, come with the authority of who you are. Temptation is a test to deflect and distract you from who you are. And there are many of us, we've gotten counterfeit versions. There are many of us that have been, that have, have, I'll call it monopoly money. It looks good. It works, in some, it works in one space, but it doesn't really fulfill. It doesn't really do anything. And in the end, you leave empty. Because the devil doesn't want you to know who you are. It's no surprise that it was after a season of temptation that Jesus' ministry began. Because we all must go through a test. This is a test, y'all. It is only a test. And from that moment, Jesus goes to Nazareth with boldness, teaches, reads scripture that upsets the entire room to the point where they kick him out of the city. A prophet is not accepted in his own home, but that's okay. He's not worried about that. You wanna know why? Because he knows who he is. Jesus goes and he walks about in authority, begins to move in power. It almost seems like he's breaking rules, healing people after the Sabbath, preaching in Galilee yet Jesus was firm in what he was called to be and called to do. This is all I have to say because I gotta go the temptation wasn't meant to guilt you, to shame you, those temptations that you have seen or you experience or the temptations that seem to be bothering you or tormenting you. They're meant to test you, to test who you are, to test your authority. And yet God gives us a way out. And it first starts with affirming who we are. Today, family, walk with boldness not with shame and guilt. Whatever thought you have right now that's that's been consuming you, you might be like, man, there's no way I can't have these thoughts and be a child of God. God saying, no, you flee it because it's not who you are. So today we're not going to be ashamed of our temptations. Today we're gonna to move in boldness and authority to go back to the deceiver and say to him, I hear a little bit of your truth, but I know the truth. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. So today flee temptation. Don't be ashamed of temptation, flee temptation. Love y'all family. Dearly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've reminded us today, Lord, that um, there is no shame in you. But rather, Lord, we know that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the enemy, through, Lord, his ruse, through deception, through lies, through temptations, wants to draw us away from your calling and purpose over our lives. So, Father, I pray today, Lord, that you would give us boldness. I pray today that you would allow us, Lord, to see who we are in you. Lord, remind us, Lord, of the authority that we've been given. Remind us, Lord, of the calling, the higher calling that you've given to each and every one of us, that you've called us out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Bless us, Lord, today in all that we do. And Father, just give us, Lord, the authority and the power, Lord, Lord, to overcome. Lord, teach us not to entertain, but teach us to flee i teach us to depend on your spirit, Lord. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all, fam. I will see you guys. Um, I'll see you guys uh, tomorrow on Discord. If you're not on Discord, you sleep. We'll be having prayer tomorrow. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. O-P-U-S-F-R-E-R-E. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. And also pray about becoming a patron. They are praying for more patrons, y'all. Um, so it's patreon.com slash Isaac patreon.com slash Isaac uh, keep us in prayer as we continue to move forward in um, in our launch. And, I, and Asia, if you can put the link to join our prayer list, please do that as well. Um, but I look forward, guys, to connecting with you all tomorrow. We'll be praying. So join us then. All right. Love y'all. Peace out.